In the holy name of Jesus, amen. O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? It's a painful reaction to hear from Jesus. It's kind of like when you were a kid and you didn't put your shoes away one more time and your parents asked you, how many times do we have to tell you? What can you say? You've been caught. You have no defense. They told you and you didn't listen. And when the dog chewed up your shoes, you learned that lesson the hard way. It's a painful reaction to hear from Jesus because no one is left untouched by his lament. Faithlessness is perhaps the last word that you'd expect Jesus to use to describe his disciples. The men who in the first chapters of Mark left their nets and their tax collection booths and their families and their friends just to follow Jesus, just to be his disciples. And a few chapters before our text, Jesus sent them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits, and they had great success. They went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons. And they anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. But today, on this new day, when they try to do the very thing that they've been given the authority to do, they find themselves to be utterly powerless. The boy's father says to Jesus that the disciples didn't have the strength to cast out the demon. Today, the disciples are a part of the faithless generation that Jesus laments. They're right there in the mix with the scribes and the crowds and the unbelieving father and the demon-possessed boy. So what gives? What's the deal with the disciples? They've been listening carefully to Jesus. They've been following him. They've done everything he said. They'd passed the introductory course in exorcism. They'd been able to do this before. But now they're confounded. What made this case so special that they couldn't handle it themselves? You and I are a lot like the disciples in that we often think about the Christian life just like this. It would be nice if the Christian life were like school. You pass one course and move on to the next. You finish one grade and put it behind you. You take chemistry and never, ever, ever think about the periodic table again. You come to church, you remember your baptism, you receive the Lord's Supper, you read your Bible, you pray, you tithe, you struggle against temptation. It would be nice if at some point you could say that you had succeeded that you had managed to master sin in your life or to become virtuous and to get credit for your passing grade. 
But that's not how the Christian life works. That's not how discipleship works. When you were baptized, you weren't baptized into a life which takes you further and further from your baptism. You were baptized into a life in which you only ever dive deeper and deeper into those waters. Luther says in his small catechism that baptism means daily starting over. Daily the waters of baptism must drown and kill our sins and our evil desires. And daily a new person emerges. Daily we become again as infants completely reliant on Jesus to fill us with faith, to forgive our sins, and to give us clean hearts. Daily, we become even as the demon-possessed boy, like a corpse, so that Jesus can take us by the hand and lift us up. And so, the Christian life consists of daily throwing out the window every notion of passing one course and moving on to the next, or finishing one grade and putting it behind you, or taking something that you've learned and forgetting it altogether. Now, all of this is very, very difficult for us to do because we live in a world that measures and compares and grades everything. It's very, very difficult for us to do because we, by nature, want to get ahead and to succeed. We, by nature, are just like the disciples, thinking that maybe, finally, we can manage things on our own. Maybe we can handle this or that demon apart from Jesus and apart from prayer. O faithless generation, How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? What can we say? We've been caught. We have no defense. It's a painful reaction to hear from Jesus. But Jesus doesn't ever ask questions for which he doesn't already know the answer. How long will he be with us? How long will he bear with us? As long as it takes. Jesus is willing to give us every last bit of himself. And that's exactly what we need. You saw it in our gospel lesson today. Despite the faithlessness of their generation, Jesus can't help but have compassion. He saves the boy from the demon, the father from his unbelief, and the disciples from their self-assurance. He shows the crowds that he has come to serve and to love them, and he proves to the scribes yet again that he has the authority to cast out unclean spirits. Although sin abounds, the grace of Jesus abounds all the more. And again, it's just as the whole gospel story plays out. Jesus endures faithlessness all the way to the end, all the way onto the cross and into the grave and into the resurrection. He endures all the way to death and into life. 
It's just as Jesus comes to us here in church. Jesus bears with us according to his promises, forgiving us our sins every time we kneel to pray, washing us and making us alive every time we find ourselves to be unclean and dying of sin, and handing over his flesh and blood to us to renew and strengthen our faith every time we come to his altar. Jesus bears with us as long as it takes. He endures our faithlessness because he and he alone is the author and perfecter of our faith. He can't help but have compassion on us. He will give us every last bit of himself, and that's exactly what we need. In the holy name of Jesus, Amen.